Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. In the 118th Congress, this committee will evaluate the status of Joe Biden's relationship with his family's foreign partners. The fox was guarding the hen house. Voters have been disenfranchised. I will not seek re-election. We're going to continue to support our Ukrainian partners. This is considered an extreme event, like an extreme weather event. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. And uh, thank the Lord you don't live in Buffalo, New York. Four feet of snow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take uh, 50 and breezy. Oh, they can have it. Bar owners in North Carolina are calling on Roy Cooper to compensate them for lost business due to Cooper's COVID shutdowns. This is from Queen City News. In the North Carolina Bar and Tavern Association's latest brief, they're asking North Carolina Court of Appeals to restore their lawsuit against Cooper. It was previously dismissed, but the Bar and Tavern Association isn't giving up. They're not the only ones trying to sue Cooper for lost income. The NC Bar and Tavern case will uh, is currently at the Wake County Court of Appeals. You know what's interesting about this, though? They're going to go after the state. What authority did Cooper have to make these emergency decisions when he did not follow the law? Remember, he had to take, after a certain period of time, he had to go get the Council of State's approval for him to continue his emergency measures. He never did that. He blatantly refused to go and get that approval. So if they win this case, will it be the taxpayers that have to compensate these uh, bar owners? It shouldn't be. It should be Cooper himself. He was the one that violated the law, and he is the one personally that ought to be held accountable. Chuck Kitchen, an attorney representing the bar owners in a different lawsuit against Cooper, said North Carolina's constitution is one of the only uh, in the United States, one of a couple that gives citizens the right to pursue this type of lawsuit against the state government. Again, the state government shouldn't be held responsive. Well, I mean, I I suppose as the governor that they followed his mandate, but again, this is why you have laws and this is why uh, other people in the state should not have followed the governor, when he didn't have the authority to extend his emergency COVID measures. Very frustrating. Lauren Boebert, the congresswoman from Colorado, she has declared her re-election victory earlier this morning. Despite indications that the race will be headed into a recount, we won. I'm so thankful for all your support. I'm proud to be your representative, Boebert wrote on Twitter. She said in a video clip released along with a message, I'm told there are less than 200 votes outstanding, which makes me happy to announce we've won the race. Newsmax election analysis shows that as of Friday morning, the day of the deadline to release the final tally, Boebert leads challenger Adam Frisch 163,758 votes to 163,207 votes. So a little over 500 or 0.16% of the vote. Colorado election law states that a recount of any election uh, contest shall be held if the difference between the highest number of votes cast in the election contest and the next highest number of the votes cast in that election contest is less or equal to 
one half of one percent. Well, this is well below that. So there will be a recount, uh, 500 votes, and uh, with 200 votes left to count. So uh, uh, initially, it will be, uh, it depends on where the 200 go, but it's probably not going to change a whole lot. It'll probably be half and half, but uh, we'll wait for the recount. You know, here it is. Uh, as I just said, Buffalo has got four feet of snow coming down. Uh, we are officially in the... Uh, turn your heat on time of the year or even in eastern north carolina where sometimes uh, last week or so we've been below average there are some winters where your heating bill is not too expensive because it doesn't get overly cold there's some winters where it gets real cold and uh, your heating bill can be quite expensive it's going to be real expensive this year regardless by the way the farmer's almanac has indicated that Eastern North Carolina is supposed to have a relatively mild winter. But uh, because of Joe Biden's abilities, the North America Electric Reliability Corporation that uh, measures and regulates the power grids has indicated that we are not in a good position as we go into the winter. The corporation said a cold snap for an extended period of time could spark grid strain due to soaring power demand from households and businesses. And by the way, interestingly, they put these power grids into different sectors. The eastern and southeastern United States is actually in a vulnerable portion of the country. The trend we see is more areas at risk. We see more retirements of critical generation fuel challenges, and we're doing everything we can. These challenges don't kind of appear out of nowhere, said Jim Mora, the a director of this uh, Electric Reliability Corporation. For instance, the demand for diesel is rising, but East Coast supplies are at a record low for this time of year. Shortage of fuel used to power the economy, from heating to trucking, has about 25 days left of supplies. And this is before there's been a huge strain. And by the way, diesel fuel is basically home heating oil. And that's, that's basically the same thing. So they're, they're going to go after the same uh, supply there. Well, the, the trucking business is going to be pretty steady week to week, month to month, season to season. But the home heating oil is we're, – we're starting to see that now ramp up. And as we go into that period, again, this is at a – it hasn't been this low since 2008. That's how long it's been. Jim Matheson, chief executive officer of the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association, told Bloomberg that electricity demand is set to outpace available supply during the peak winter conditions. Consumers face an inconceivable but real threat of rolling blackouts. So you might not, and you say, well, Tom, I, I, I don't... Uh, I don't use uh, heating oil at my house. Well, guess what? Regardless of whether you heat, use heating oil to heat your home or not, uh, you could still have uh, electric blackouts. So if you've got a uh, some sort of electric heating device, a, uh, uh, you, you, you could be as in trouble as if you were using home heating oil. I, regardless of what you use, uh, you're going to have an expensive and perhaps a cold winter. Make sure you've got uh, extra pairs of long johns. You might need them. While that is going on, 
And you say, what is, what is Biden doing about it? He, well, he's actually hurting it all the more. The Environmental Protection Agency, Biden's EPA, yesterday announced that a large idle refinery in the U.S. Virgin Islands will remain shut down again until it acquires a new Clean Air Act permit amid a national diesel shortage. So here we are at a time where we're as the supply is as low as it's been since 2008. The St. Croix refinery owned by West Indies Petroleum Limited and Port Hamilton Refinering and Transportation has been shut down since June and will have to obtain a prevention of significance deterioration permit, which will require the operators to provide detailed air quality analysis and use sophisticated air pollution control technology, according to the EPA press release. Now, I guarantee you what is being required has all been put into place by Joe Biden's EPA. You say, well, Tom, don't you like clean air? Of course I like clean air. How, how bad was it before? How, how much more stringent are these new requirements? The refinery, which was once one of the largest refineries in the, in the world, at one point processed 600,000 barrels of crude oil per day in gasoline and heating oil and diesel. This according, again, to Bloomberg. The price of heating oil was 65% higher in October of 22 than it was in 21, meaning Americans in the northeast of the country will pay significantly more to keep their homes warm. Uh, The Biden administration is also mulling a plan that would force oil companies to soar a minimum amount of diesel in their fuel tanks, which could potentially take prices higher. I mean, you you ask yourself, uh, uh, two questions immediately come to mind. Why would uh, Joe Biden want to make it more painful on the Americans? Now, the, the obvious naive answer would be because he wants to turn everything over to wind and solar. He wants to get away from fossil fuels. He said that all along. But when people start freezing their fannies off, and listen, I'm not, this is not beyond the pale or beyond reasonable uh, explanation that you're going to have people, based on where we are right now, you're going to have people around the world freeze to death this winter. You're going to see things like the flu go higher than they've gone in a long time based on the fact that people are going to be exposed to elements more so than they have been in the past. And yet Joe Biden just shrugs his shoulders as long as he can get his way and keep his environmental wacko friends happy. He is going to continue to make sure that it's hard to heat your home, that it's expensive to heat your home. He wants you to say, I I cry, uncle, I'll do whatever you say. I'll install my solar panels just to keep my family warm. I mean, that's what he wants. I don't know that he's going to get there, but that's what he wants. He wants you to capitulate. He wants you to be a part of the new Green Deal and embrace it, lovingly embrace it. The irony of this, while they are doing this, and while Joe has insisted that we get back into the Paris Climate Accords, the Daily Wire is reporting the world's major greenhouse gas emitters are not on their way to meeting their climate goals seven years after the Paris Agreement was originally signed. 
Overall, none of the largest producers of greenhouse gases have cut their emissions enough to reach the benchmarks set by the, the, Paris, uh, the Paris Agreement. Those main emitters, according to the Paris Agreement, are the United States, China, India, and the European Union. Now, what's interesting about this is if you compare the United States to India and China, and for that matter, to a certain degree, to the European Union, but more so to India and China, the idea, and, and they say, well, we're not meeting our standards. It's because the standards they put on the United States are so much more stringent than what was put on China and India. And the other part of it is, look, China and India and other, these other third world countries are, are other third world countries that have signed on to this. And by the way, this is a, a big part of the Paris, the, Paris, the Paris Agreement, the Paris Accords, is redistribution of wealth, where money from the United States is simply transferred to other third world countries. But, and I've said this a thousand times, I've said it once on this program. You can go over to India and China and literally cut the smog and the sewage, uh, I mean, it is, it is beyond the pale. You wouldn't believe how bad it is. I mean, you would, you would go over there and you would realize how pristine our environment is. But because it, our environment is pristine to begin with, especially as compared to China and India, the standards they put on the United States are much more difficult to meet. The standards in India and China are not that difficult to meet as compared to what the United States has. And yet they shrug their shoulders. They, they have no intention when they sign this agreement. They have no intention of meeting it. And they haven't. According to uh, the Paris Agreement, the United States has put out the most, emission, uh, the most emissions historically and is still one of the highest emitters per capita. <laughs> Look, I mean, y you might be able to redefine this when you say per capita and those kind of things. Again, if you've never been to India, if you've never been to China, it, it's it's hard for you to imagine how bad it is. It's bad. Now, in Europe, uh, it's going to be a whole lot worse this winter because while Joe and the environmental wackos want renewable energy, get rid of all fossil fuels, guess what's going to happen this winter? They're going to be burning more coal than they've burned for decades. They're going to be burning wood to heat their homes. I mean, if we continue on this trajectory, you're going to have deforestation. You're going to have tr trees cut down uh, over in Europe just so people can heat their homes. Eventually, I, I mean, now the, the, the wackos don't want nuclear energy either, but a lot of these uh, European countries are now saying we need to reopen our coal-burning plants. We need to reopen our nuclear plants. Otherwise, our people are going to freeze to death. The irony of all this, all, the, all these greenies, the irony of all this is at the end of the day, they're going to make this worse, not better. Now, by the way, I, I don't for one second actually think – now, th there's a few naive idiots out there in the environmental wacko community – that their goal really is for uh, uh, what they think would be a cleaner environment, even though it's going to backfire on them. But for the people at the top, they don't care about the environment. They care about the redistribution of wealth. They care about power. And at the end of the day, 
They care about their their personal power and their personal income. Hey, we got to take a time out. Stay with us. More news and views for a Friday continues right after this. We'll be back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. A quick look at your weather forecast. A few clouds tonight, a low around 30. Tomorrow, not bad. High around 57 and a fair amount of sunshine. Tomorrow night, cloudy skies with a low of 37. Sunday, the high is only in 48. And Sunday night, chilly. The low Sunday night is uh, 23. So, uh, yeah, make sure you get uh, an extra blanket out, a quilt, plug in the electric blanket. Uh, 44 years ago, this is one of those events that you remember where you were when you heard about this news. I remember, well, I was actually out camping with some friends up in Elkins, West West Virginia, when uh, we heard the news over the radio. The Reverend Jim Jones persuaded 900 of his followers to commit suicide at Jonestown in the jungles of Guyana. The members of the People Temple cult uh, committed suicide by drinking Kool-Aid laced with cyanide. And uh, thus we got the uh, phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Uh, wow. Hard to believe. I mean, that that was one of those things in life that you say, wow, 900 people? He got 900 people to go along with this? But, I mean, how many other cults have we seen that have done bizarre stuff? That might be the high watermark of bizarre. It is November the 18th, World Vasectomy Day. Oh, <laughs> my. Hey, listen, uh, put on your calendars. December 19th, that's a Monday. It's back. Christmas with the Embers is back on Monday, December the 19th at the Re-Image Church in Winterville, North Carolina. Once again, we are teaming up with Pitt County Operation Santa Claus and will be donating money and toys to help kids in need this holiday season. You can purchase purchase your tickets online at WTIBFM.com. We do want to thank our sponsors, the Air Doctor, Hardy's, Fantastic Sam's, Greenville Utilities, Telco Credit Union, Speedy Oil Change and Auto Service, GoEco, Six, uh, 264 Shoes and Apparel, Greenville Toyota, Apparel Electronics, Southern Bank, uh, AmeriHealth, Caritas, North Carolina. Thank you to all those sponsors helping us to put that together. Have you seen the uh, terrible situation out in California? I mean, it, it was about a year ago that you had that nut up in Wisconsin who uh, tore his SUV into the Christmas parade. Now out in California, California police have released the wrong way driver accusing of plowing his SUV into a group of police recruits and staff earlier this week, citing extreme complexity to the ongoing case. Extreme complexity? You've got a video of the guy driving his SUV into these cadets. I mean, literally, just like a year ago up in Wisconsin, I mean, just tossing these young men and women in different directions. Fortunately, nobody else, no, nobody has passed away as a result yet, although they're five in critical condition and at least one has lost a limb as a result. They arrest the guy, Nicholas Joseph uh, Guterres, 22 years old, and they released him. And they're saying extreme complexity? 
I, I mean, you, you look at California, you look at these George Soros prosecutors and you say, what are you talking about? I mean, if there was an open and I'm not an attorney, okay, I'm not I'm not trying to practice law here, but my gosh, I mean, you you see it on video. They immediately stopped the guy. Uh, he he was not drunk. Uh, apparently, any drug tests they gave him that has not yet been released. And they they say that it's extremely complex. What's extremely complex is how the the people of California can have elected people that are so corrupt that they would allow this to happen. It's it's beyond the pale. Hispanic voters in the United States government, or say the United States, let me back up. Hispanic voters say the United States government should do more to enforce immigration laws according to new polling data. A poll conducted by Rasmussen and Numbers USA found that more than half of Hispanics who voted in the 22 midterms agreed that the government isn't doing enough to reduce illegal immigration. The survey asked Hispanic voters that the government is doing too much, too little to reduce illegal boarding crossings. Uh, Among the 515 respondents, 57% said too little, 16% said too much, 17% 17% said about right, 11 said they 11% said they were not sure. Specifically, even among Democrat Hispanic voters, 49% said they thought the government was doing too little to reduce illegal crossings at the border. The results don't surprise me, Simon Hankinson said, a senior uh, research fellow at the Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation, uh, wanting a secure border and an orderly fair Migration process with some limits is like asking for safe streets and lower crime, a sensible and mainstream point of view, Hankinson said. Counting on Hispanic Americans as a permanent block vote against common sense policies is a poor long-term strategy. However, the Brookings Institute, uh, Gabriel Sanchez, said that 64% of Latinos reported they voted for Democrat House candidates. 33% voted for Republicans. Now, uh, why are there not, why is there not a connection of the dots? Uh, Why would the Hispanic voters not vote accordingly? And you got to come back to what we've been saying all week. It's got to be really bad messaging by the Republican Party. You know, I think Republicans are so afraid that if they say something in the news, it's going to be misconstrued or it's going to be twisted by the mainstream press and uh, they will be vilified. They'll have to be going out and defending what they said. But you know what's interesting about that? And I, I really do think that. But the conservative candidates who are well-versed who have the ability to communicate well, who are consistent in their messaging, who don't cower to the mainstream media. I mean, Exhibit A is Ron DeSantis. Guess what? They do fine in the elections. They consistently win. Now, there are individuals, I think, 
and, I, and I'll step on some toes here. I, I like um, Congresswoman Boebert out of Colorado, but she's a little obnoxious. Now, I, granted, I, I recognize that many Democrats are highly obnoxious. But I'm sorry, when you send out a Christmas card when you're holding an AK-47, that's eh, it's pushing the envelope a little bit, in my estimation. I like her. I like where she stands on the issues. But uh, you, know, you, you might want to use a little bit more diplomacy as you're, as you're going about your political agenda. But I will say that those people that, that are tempered and yet very consistent and don't cower and don't back down to their conservative convictions, I don't think there's they, – they don't have an issue at, at the election when it comes time to being reelected. And, and you know, Exhibit A is um, Jesse Helms. I mean, Jesse Helms never had any good press. But he was very consistent in his conservative convictions. And, I mean, he finally retired because of old age, but he won year after, you know, election after election. The, the only, that that's the disconnect I see between Hispanic voters voting for the Democrats and yet saying, the, wait a minute, the border is too porous. Because the Republicans are cowering when it comes to, to issues like building the wall. I mean, how many Republicans did you hear come out and say, we need to do all we can to make sure that that wall is built? We need to follow up on Donald Trump's vision of building the wall. And by the way, an overwhelming number of Hispanics in this poll said, uh, yeah, building the wall, that, that is very important. The poll found that 47% of Latino voters think that the walls and fencing are very important to limit illegal immigration. An additional 19% of Hispanic voters surveyed said walls and barriers are somewhat important. So basically you have close to 75% saying uh, either they're somewhat important or very important. The majority of them said they are very important. Uh, By the way, speaking of immigration, uh, did you hear what Chuckles the Clown Schumer said earlier this week? when he came out and said he was supporting a path to citizenship for the nation's illegal immigration population. This cut one, Clark. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers, but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. Uh, this is unbelievable. Schumer would say this. I mean, first of all, he and his ilk have been pushing abortion since 1973. I mean, abortion anytime, any place, anywhere for any reason. And now he's coming out and saying, oh, wait a minute. Uh, we're not reproducing ourselves. We don't have enough people to do the work that we need after you've been pushing abortion for the last 50 years. But the other thing that he is saying in this audio clip is this this whole uh, rep- replacement philosophy. That is because, and, and listen, conservatives have said this is your goal. 
your goal is to make sure that our population numbers that from uh, you know re- reproduction and having kids and and legal immigration make sure that that number is on a downward trend that will justify you bringing in illegal immigrants and conservatives have basically pointed the finger at liberals and said this is your goal and they said that's ridiculous of course it's not we would never do that and what did chuck schumer just say he said that exact same thing yeah he appears to confirm the great replacement theory or the idea that there's a deliberate attempt to replace americans with immigrants the irony is what is america america's full of immigrants america's made up of immigrants uh, and I'm, and listen, I, you know, I don't think you can find any conservatives that are against immigration, but they want legal immigration. We've got to take another time out. Stay with us. When we come back. Josh Hawley got a hold of uh, Christopher Ray at a hearing yesterday. Uh, it was not pretty for Christopher Ray. We'll talk about that when we get back. Drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Do you remember when uh, Ron DeSantis and the Florida legislature passed a law against woke teachings in Florida colleges, state colleges, I mean, private schools, you can do whatever they want, but state colleges, community colleges, anything that got state revenue, they were uh, saying no, no more woke ideology pushed down the throats of the uh, college kids. Chief U.S. District Judge Mark Walker of the Northern District of Florida blasted the, quote, Individual Freedom Act, which was what the bill was called, originally pitched as the Stop Woke Act for censoring what professors were allowed to teach, granting a preliminary injunction against its enforcement while litigation continues. Quote, the law officially bans professors from expressing disfavored viewpoints in university classrooms while permitting unfettered expression of opposition viewpoints, Walker wrote in a Thursday order. Defendants argue that under this act, professors enjoy academic freedom so long as they express only those viewpoints of which the state approves. This is positively dystopian. The law prohibits imposing a condition of employment, membership, certification, licensing, credentialing, or passing an examination on anything that, that promotes any of a list of eight specific principles, which include the idea that members of one race, color, sex, or national origin are morally superior to any other, inherently racist because of their race, color, uh, color sex, or national origin, that one's status as privileged or being an oppressor is dictated by such characteristics and that virtues as merit, excellence, hard work, fairness, neutrality, objectivity, and racial colorblindness are racist or sexist. In other words, they're saying you're not going to push this CRT woke ideology. Who would argue with that? Who would find that uh, wrong? That members of one race, color, sex, national origin are morally superior to another. Now, here's the irony of this. So 
What if a professor came right out and decided he or she wanted to teach Nazi ideology? Um, would we say that, well, you know, the, the First and Fourteenth Amendment allows them to say anything that they want? Well, the iron, and you say, well, no, they wouldn't teach Nazi ideology. Guess what? This is Nazi ideology. <laughs> what did the Third Reich say? That the Aryan race was superior, the Jews were inferior, the blacks were inferior. Now, granted, it's flipped on its head. But this is, uh, this is the same thing the Nazis did, only they vilified blacks and Jews, and this woke ideology is vilifying Caucasians. You can't make it up. And, and by the way, here, here's the other thing. These people are being paid by the state. These are state employees. I mean, if you're hired for a certain purpose at any business, are you allowed on business time to propagate your personal ideology, whatever it is? Of course not. You're going to represent that business. But somehow uh, uh, we're, we're squelching the teacher's right I mean, is there a course called CRT? I, I doubt in Florida there is. Is there a course on reverse discrimination? Is there a, a course on any one of these issues that this law, this Individual Freedom Act, says we're not going to have that? You're not allowed to say, at a business, you're not allowed to say anything, anytime, anywhere, because it's your opinion, and that somehow... On work time, and you on, on your own time, do what I do as you please. But on the business, when you're on the business dime, no. You're going to represent the business, what the business wants, what the business is, the service they are providing. Unbelievable. Republican Missouri Senator Josh Hawley yesterday had a chance to dialogue one-on-one -on -one during a hearing with Christopher Wray, uh, it got interesting. Because if you remember earlier this summer, Christopher Wray was at a hearing in which he got up and basically left in the middle of the hearing, said he had to catch a flight for some business he had to attend to. Of course, we found out later his business that he had to attend to was a family vacation in the Adirondacks. So Holly confronted him yesterday and asked him, well, first of all, he, he, he went back and recited the conversation between Grassley and Christopher Ray earlier in the summer. The ranking member Grassley asked you during the hearing and said, quote, I assume you must have other business. To which Ray said, yes. He then said, if you have a business trip, you've got your own plane. Can it wait a while? Ray said, um, or then, then he said, then Grassley said, we only just heard half an hour ago that now you have to leave. We're going to have a seven-minute round followed by a three-minute round. I've got seven people on my side of the aisle, including me. 
who are waiting for this additional round, is there any reason we can't accommodate them for 21 minutes? And you said you had a plane to catch and had somewhere to go, and now we find out that it was for a vacation, Holly said. Ray said the scheduled business referred to the following week when Grassley were scheduled, he and Grassley were scheduled to visit together in Iowa. Quote, the reference to other business was not a reference to that day. It was a reference to the following week where Senator Grassley and I were going to see each other. Well, then why did you have to catch this plane if it wasn't for another week? And, of course, that's what Holly said. He said, so wait, you had to leave the hearing early because you had to see him later in Iowa the following week? No, Ray said. I had to leave when I said I was going to leave as I had uh, been previously organized with the leadership. To which Holly said, you left an oversight hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee required by statute so that you could go on vacation with your family. I find that absolutely unbelievably and frankly indefensible. Holly continued to press the FBI director on the vacation, asking if he enjoyed and paid for the flight. And then would he hand over all receipts? Ray said uh, he is required to use the FBI plane and that he always pays for the trips. I'm glad it's available to you to jet away from your statutory required hearings and oversights before this Congress where you were denied the ability of members of Congress to ask you questions because you had to go on a personal vacation using a government plane. And again, he had his own plane. The plane he caught was his plane provided by the government because he's the director of the FBI. And as the director of the FBI, he is answerable to Congress. And yet, when it was time to him to answer Congress, oh, I had to get away. Got to go. Got to go. Clearly leaving the impression that it was a business obligation. Clearly, we find out it was a family vacation. And clearly, we're talking about delaying that vacation for an hour. So was it because he had something important within that hour that he had to meet his family for? No. It was because he didn't want to answer the questions that he knew were coming. Holly asked the FBI director if he believes he's still up to this job as he allegedly evades oversight hearings. The director said he is qualified for the job. Quote, well, I don't think so, said Holly. And frankly, I think you should have been gone a long time ago. And given your behavior here recently, I think it only makes it more clear, the senator concluded. Uh, thank you, Senator Holly. Um, has anybody thought about Senator Holly to replace uh, Mitch McConnell as the head of the Senate? I know he's young, but uh, boy, <laughs> he is direct. He is honest. He is consistent. I think he'd make a great replacement. Holly for uh, the president of the Senate. Stay, stay with us. We'll be right back. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. Well, it appears that uh, the Republicans will take over the House, not by a huge majority, but uh, we could get up to 222, which would be... Uh, 218 is a majority, so it would be a majority plus uh, three or four. The uh, interesting thing is now House Republicans 
are letting the Biden administration know that uh, you have been stonewalling us in our request for information. Uh, you won't be able to stonewall us once we uh, take over the House, although they'll do all, all they can to, to attempt that. And, of course, they'll have the mainstream media on their side. Yesterday, House Republicans laid out plans to investigate Joe and Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings, calling the probe a top priority for the GOP and the new Congress. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't necessarily think that this will be – I think they should do it. I think they absolutely should do it. They should hold – what is uh, just total malfeasance by the Biden administration, they should hold their feet to the fire. But because the mainstream media is so liberal, I, I'm not necessarily thinking that this will be a political win for Republicans. They need to walk that line very, very carefully. Uh, now, it could be a political win if, uh, if Democrats decide that Joe's served his purposes and we want to go on from here. We want to run somebody else and Joe's in our way. But uh, it's, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, couple of years as Republicans take over the House and hold these hearings. Um, Tony Bobolinsky, who was working with the Bidens, uh, he has said, he came out last night and said he has all kinds of very, very clear, overwhelming evidence that will take down Hunter and Joe. The big guy, it was Joe Biden, and there's plenty of evidence to uh, point the finger at him. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Hey, listen, uh, have a great weekend and uh, get out and enjoy the sunshine, but uh, make sure you got uh, the long johns ready. It's going to be cold at night. We'll do it again on Monday. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.